Uh, welcome back, uh, everybody, to the Green Socks podcast, the podcast where we dip our socks in the green of... Uh, okay, well, I didn't think that one through. But either way, uh, tonight I am drinking a Southern Tier Pumpkin Seasonal. It is a pumpkin imperial, so if my jokes get even worse uh, over the course of the next hour, you'll know why. So, uh, in either case, uh, I've got with me today uh, Kevin of the Red Caps fame. Kevin, uh, uh, say hello to the good three people that watch this stream. Um, hello to your mom and to your wife and whoever the third person is. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is uh, great to be here. Thanks very much for inviting me on. No, yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming. Uh, and that third person is usually me on recap. So uh, I, will, uh, I will appreciate the heads up uh, when we get there. So, all right. So... Uh, I'd like to start off tonight, a quick thank you. Uh, I've got a handful of call-ins that are in waiting. Uh, I got a handful of call-ins that are in waiting, but we're going to chat a little bit about something different tonight. So I'm going to jump into the call-ins next episode. So I do thank you very much, folks, for your engagement. Um, in the meantime, uh, Kevin, uh, I'd like to take a little bit of time. Most folks uh, who are listening to this podcast are related to... Um, I mean, know me. So, uh, take a, take a second there. Uh, tell us about you. Um, I have a little podcast that I have been sadly neglecting for probably close to a month now. Um, called the Red Caps Podcast. Um, OSR based podcast. Usually keep my episodes fairly short, although some of them will run long. Uh, but you're looking at generally about 10 minutes of me picking some sort of a subject and pretending like I have some sort of knowledge on it as I uh, ramble on a little bit about it. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I kind of started it about a year ago, and uh, it was just a way to, for me to kind of stay engaged when I wasn't really playing too much. It was a way for me to kind of keep going with uh, the the hobby in general while I wasn't actually getting too many games in. And uh, through it, I have, every time I've done something and gotten the feedback I, I i the collection of people that i now have to listen to <laughs> and i say have to as if it's a chore <laughs> but the, the, the amount of people i listen to now on on podcasts has mm. been explosive um growth compared to what it was a year yeah. year ago um and my bank account has also taken an explosive hit from the amount of kickstarters <laughs> that everybody has now directed me to so um it's been fun i've really enjoyed it thus far yeah, very cool yeah the key the key to uh, saving money on those kickstarters is to uh appear on competitions and win stuff like mitterzines or uh so. <laughs> i have i have zero luck um <laughs> could, you could have a drawing where there's only me and you will somehow still reach in and draw it a blank piece you of paper draw or something. robot so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right so you mentioned you had uh, dropped out of, uh, you weren't able to get games in that was work family I was a little bit of you know COVID stuff. Uh, I was playing some stuff online, but mm. a lot of the people that I've played with online, uh, with a few exceptions, are more of a five E group. Mm. Um, and I don't mind playing five E, but I'm not a big fan of running it as a DM. Mm. Um, and I prefer to DM than play a lot of the time. Mm. Uh, I have been able to get in a few, a uh, few you know, basic games or um, you know, white box games that sort of stuff uh, here and there, but haven't had anything super steady um, for the longest while. Okay, so you're getting. Are you, getting, uh, are you able to get back into uh, any of the in-person stuff these days, or exclusively online? It's been pretty exclusively online. Um, here, where I'm at in Canada, it's a little bit more strict um, in terms of the gathering. Still, people are still pretty hesitant to uh, do a lot of in-person stuff. Mm -hmm. It is getting better. Uh, things are starting to open up, but it's it's still got that that weird kind of. 
the new world that we're living in where everybody's staying so far apart it's hard to get stuff gathered but yeah. um yep yeah, make sure you have a mask on that subnet i hear uh trudeau if he <laughs> found out you were talking to a states guy he's going to make you quarantine on the computer yeah we'll uh I'll hold this one up. I know this is an audio podcast, but here's my <laughs> my D and D face mask. That's um, nice. I like that. That's that's pretty. I like that. But uh, but yeah, no the um, the online stuff. I, I actually don't mind online gaming. I know it gets a, a big um, big hit in certain certain circles of of the OSR side of things, where a lot of people are very against it. But um, I find it to be fine. I don't have a I don't have a huge disagreement with it. I'm. You know, doing what we're doing here where we can kind of see each other and we're and we're chatting um i don't need to have all the tools but i do like some of the tools too so yeah <laughs> yep i love i love me uh the vtt tools so yeah my my introduction yeah. to vtt's was d20 pro back in the day uh when it was brand new a buddy of mine had picked up a copy and flung it up on a projector so we went, went hung out at his house and he dimmed the lights and put the uh vtt on the wall which was pretty cool. So I had a lot of fun playing with him uh, until his wife decided I was uh, not a good person, and uh, we weren't allowed to hang out anymore. So, but but they're divorced now. So if I'm ever in Georgia, aha, Daniel coming to play. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I my VTT of choice right now. Um, if I'm doing, if I'm going to run something long, long term, it'll probably be uh, Forge. Mm -hmm. uh, Forge VTT. Um, if I'm doing something short, if it's a quick pickup game or something, um, Albert Rodeo would be mm -hmm. just because it's so fast and so easy. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but... I, I hadn't much, uh, hadn't done too much with uh, Albert. I, try, I tried it out a little bit, but they don't. It didn't have the same. It didn't have dynamic lighting in it, and it, it had everything I wanted except the dynamic lighting that cast off the. Uh, the the pogs i guess so i'm yeah. showing my age there there's there's supposed to be tokens i think is what the kids are calling them but uh you cannot possibly be that much older than i am so i know exactly what you're speaking of <laughs> <laughs> yeah no so yeah i yeah, i like to pretend i'm as old I'm, i like to pretend i'm older than i am so how about that danny k music so <laughs> so canadian actually he's uh i think danny k uh was a canadian actor who came down and was became America's sweetheart back in the day. So, so hmm. not going to look that up. I have internet access. I'm going to let the viewers call in. So, yeah, I'm not actually familiar with the name, so I can't yeah. even provide a running commentary on that. Right. I would recommend. So, uh, we are a little early for the holiday season, but I would recommend checking out uh, White Christmas with Bing Crosby. Uh, it's a, a little film that my wife has us watch every year a musical uh so the kids the boys get into it uh despite being two years old and uh danny k is the red-headed fella who sings dances and uh does he, he never considered himself a comedian uh but he uh sings dances and makes you chuckle so it's a good it's a good movie about uh, some army guys trying to bring christmas back to their old general so nice my uh, my go-to Christmas movies are, are nowhere near as classic nor um, uh, classy as 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 yours. Uh, I am very much of the uh, Garfield Christmas special and uh, and uh, Die Hard. Um, Die, and, and, Die, Hard and maybe... is, Die Hard is the one we do on Christmas Eve. It's it's important. <laughs> yeah, everybody says that's an action movie. It's it's a Christmas mm -hmm. movie. Uh, yeah, it is. So, that, no, no question. This is our uh, this is our season opener every year. Uh, Tim oh, Burton's yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, yeah, great, great. Uh, great little crossover movie, 
and uh, that, like I said, that's our opener every year. So we're 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 set to watch that one in about a month, I'd say. So, <laughs> and that is why it's on my desk. It's hidden from my wife because she's already playing Christmas music to the boys. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to come off as a Grinch, but that's just that's just so no for me. I I love I love it, mm-hmm. but. I gotta wait till December. Oh, uh, yeah. it's, it, I will. Admit. We haven't even gotten. We haven't even gotten past Canadian Thanksgiving, <laughs> and that's in like February or something. So, <laughs> our th- our Thanksgiving is in October. Your guys is in November, and then yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, we have. Um, I will admit, I'm a uh, I'm an early Christmas and late Christmas. Chris at our house, it runs from November one. Uh, so as soon as the trick, as soon as the trick or treat light goes off, the Christmas lights turn on, uh, and and then it runs until Epiphany, uh, or until the association threatens to find me, whichever one comes first. So, but, oh, you live under you live under the thumb of one of those. Yeah, things, yeah, we can't you can't avoid it where we are. It's uh, we did avoid uh, they call them CDDs. I forget what it stands for, but when developers don't actually pay for the infrastructure and they take out like a loan, and so you're stuck paying like a thousand bucks a year for thirty years, the entire neighborhood to pay for uh, waterworks. So as opposed to traditional, really? yeah, it's it's a new thing they were doing. Well, new to me, but they they were doing down our neck of the woods. But we have, we dodged those, which is key. So, but anyway, uh, yep, I do I do appreciate you dialing in. So, uh, you how long how long have you been gaming? Oh, um, probably since high school for me. So, mm-hmm. um, not to show my age too much, but from like the mid to late nineties mm-hmm. uh, forward. But with a bunch of big gaps in there, though, mm-hmm. like there was a long period of time where I had nothing to do with. I went, I fell hard into the PC gaming side mm-hmm. and left tabletop mm-hmm. and board gaming altogether. So there was like a period of time in high school and then a large drought up mm-hmm. until probably about. Uh, but you were like know, meeting probably... girls and going to parties and dumb stuff like that. I'd love to say that was what was happening. <laughs> But this is this is the this is the cleric where ringmail, not the monkey and monkey lies and dances and pretends he was something he wasn't. Podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, uh, it was it was yeah, just other things came in and it fell out of out of uh, favor mm-hmm. with my group of friends at the time, so it wasn't something that came back up. Mm-hmm. And then probably around, uh, I mean, as much as I dislike running the game, probably around the time the five E was coming back. Um, and I had looked at a little bit of Pathfinder before then, um, and kind of bounced off of that, didn't really care for it. Um, and then 5e was coming back and there was a lot more interest coming in and I played a little bit of 5e and then I had my issues where I just, there was parts of that game I just didn't care for. And then Mm. went back and and looked at, at some other stuff and found the whole world of OSR that I had not really seen or known anything about and dived in two feet first and yep, <laughs> have yeah, come back yep. up for air. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. And here we are. So a, dr- a drowning in the OSR. So, cool. <laughs> so yeah, cool. So that's how we got into here. And you mentioned you got into podcasting uh, as a sort of a creative outlet. So that's fun. Uh, what, what are your, what, uh, what, what were your goals for the podcast? Did you just pop in, want to talk about uh, stuff that you were going, you were doing stuff that you were interested in. So, yeah, it was. I didn't really have a goal per se. Um, I had been listening to 
a few different podcasts. I went out on a, uh, my wife and I do a long road trip at least once or twice a year uh, from where I live here in Canada to the far east coast of it, where, where, where our folks are from. Um, and it's usually about, you know, 18 hours in a vehicle going. Mm-hmm. And so I would be constantly listening to various things. And on one of the trips uh, ages ago, I, I did a huge binge of um, Save or Die. Um, and just kind of got enthralled with, with the idea that there was this podcast of people talking about the stuff that I was really into. Meanwhile, my, my wife was beside me rolling her eyes the entire time. And, um, I was like, I was like, I I might be able to do something like that. And then I started listening to, um, uh, Glenn, um, and his podcast and which for whatever reason, my brain is blanking right now, but you will fill me in. I'm sure in a second. (laughs) That's the uh, old man Grognard. So I started listening to his and I was like, well, he's doing it every day. And he's got a nice little short to the point thing that he wants to get across and he's getting it done every day. Mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't do an everyday thing, but I was like, oh, I can do a short mm-hmm. one like that. Um, and he was doing it as a one person short podcast. I was like, surely I can do that. I can't maybe meet what um, Save or Die is doing with their nice big cast and long meaningful episodes but i can do something short and pretend like i know what i'm talking about so i just decided to give it a shot absolutely though admittedly glenn i think glenn's kids are a little older uh than yours are so definitely yeah (laughs) (laughs) i remember we were trying a little bit uh before the call uh where uh we were both hanging out trying to get our respective youngins to sleep uh do you have just one or you have a couple that you're dealing with no i just got the one um so uh I haven't. I have not strayed into the uh, realm where they can tag team up on me yet. It's just. Mm. It's just the one, and uh, that's uh, that's enough to manage. <laughs> Absolutely. How, how old is uh, boy girl? Boy, he's uh, he's going into grade one here. Going I need to start grade here, one. So. All right. So yeah. that's five or six ish. So yeah, All six right. is here. Yep. So technically, my I I my boys are turning three on their birthday this uh, this December. That, that's really how that works, right? Yeah, you, it you, is. you level level up on, level on, the, up. on that yeah, day. You do, and uh, <laughs> so, but because I have twins, that means as of December, I will have been a parent for six years. So you you have more experience than I do until Pearl Harbor Day. So uh, that's that's how that works, is it? Yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> Pretty sure. That's why it took my. That's why it took my wife eighteen months to uh, give birth. So, <laughs> poor lady. <laughs> no, I kid. Uh, it was way worse than that. But anyway, well, I think we can. Uh, <laughs> we've been goofing off a little bit, but more importantly, I think this uh, this collaboration again. Uh, we wanted to come together because of a Twitter thread uh, we had a while back where we were talking about a moderately controversial subject in the OSR and RPG sphere, character building. So the topic for tonight's conversation, character building. So, uh, well, go ahead and uh, I'll, let, I'll let you take it away. Tell me about uh, what is a character build uh, for you and how does it impact your game or a gaming experience? So for me, a character build, the way I view it, um, it's part of the re- it's part of the reason where I, that I'm not as big of a fan of Five E. Um, character builds I, I find come in more complex or more option rich um, games, um, and it can stray from something like Five E, which isn't necessarily that complex. It just has a lot of options um, to being something like uh, you know, some of the cyberpunk games that are just incredibly uh, in depth and <coughs> Shadowrun. <coughs> Shadowrun. Yeah. 
Thank you. I wasn't going to say it, but you did. Um, where where you literally need software to create a character. Uh, you need to download an app and run through it to create a character. Um, so for me, the idea of a build is that you've, you've decided that you are going to pre-plan out your entire character through this massive list of options, uh, either because you feel you need to or because you want to optimize yourself to be the very best that you could be, um, rather than just discovering the characters you go through. Um, whereas the, my, my flip side argument of what isn't a build is typically how I would play or how I prefer to see played um, older OSR games where mm-hmm. you roll up the stats, you have no pre, you may not even name that the, the fighter it's fighter B. Mm-hmm. And if he lives to be two or three levels and you give him a name and, and you continue on. And as he does actions, he builds a backstory yep. and has, has things going on. Yeah. You, you um, live your backstory rather than write it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the difference of experiencing and discovering who the character is versus bringing somebody and saying, this is the person I'm sticking into your world, whether or not it fits or not. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Yep, absolutely. So I will admit I've uh, I've written backstories before. Uh, a story comes to mind. I had a buddy who, because uh, I usually I usually let in a traditional campaign, I, I encourage my players to give me like three or four bullet points, because it's enough to ingrain them in the world. It's enough to have them uh, as part of the party, and it gives me something to play with, uh, or you know relatives to kill off as the DM. But it uh, more importantly, we have a uh, it's a short thing that uh, ingrains them into the world and ties the party together. And so I'll admit I, I encourage those kind of backstories in a traditional campaign. Um, uh, I've also, there's, a difference, there's a difference, though, between backstory and builds. So oh, right? yes, backstory, very much. Yeah. Backstory is, is one thing, whereas a build is more like you're planning out, on this level, I'm going to do this, and on right. this level, I'm going to do this. Where you don't this know feed, what the, I'm going to move this stat here. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know what the story is going to be at that point of whether that is any use right like absolutely and i ran i ran into that for the first time that that uh pre-planning of a character for the first time in college so when i when when i was a kid uh my i played uh, a 2e game i just assume it was 2e I, I didn't actually get to touch the books uh but uh with some neighborhood kids and then they moved on to everquest uh and they're like this is real this is way cool i'm like yeah i don't have internet so <laughs> but then uh, we bought the when uh, uh, arch uh, arch foe uh, incoming when the third edition box set came out the third edition basic box my mom picked that up for us and my little brother and I played the Dickens out of it so uh, you have Oliver Twist you have uh, Tale of Two Cities and Christmas Carol all in the same pile because we played the Dickens out of that board and that map every scenario in it um, but. We played it the way that the way that I had experienced it. We had the core classes. You you went and did your thing, and then you you didn't think about the character. You thought about what you were doing. And then in college, we came across that was when we that, that was when I realized that other people, people who had uh, this magical substance called uh, discretionary income, uh, were able to pick up other resources. And then you you suddenly have a library of resources that you can do to build or change your character, and so arguably, while you could you had proficiencies and you had dual classing in the past, the real character building from a perspective of D&D didn't show up until uh, TSR went under and uh, Wizards had kind of took over. And uh, though sh- games like Shadowrun and RuneQuest predate Wizards of the Coast, uh, literally I think RuneQuest came out in the 80s, or no, 70s, and it was uh, skill-based and you built your character uh, 
the big the big the big push in D and D that changeover is when is from, was when third edition hit. And uh, so another game I'm a big fan of, uh, which I'll hold up here, uh, mm-hmm. the Fantasy Trip. Um, precursor to GURPS, if you're not familiar with Fantasy Trip. Is, that is a big a box set, or you are much smaller than I imagine you. I will let you decide which way that is. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the um, yeah, Fantasy the, Trip is a, is a precursor DVD to GURPS. four feet across. <laughs> oh, the scale that we could use for things. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but it is a game where, uh, much like GURPS, your choices are endless of how you could distribute um, various uh, feats or abilities that you give to your characters. And it was also, you know, from from that era of late mm-hmm. 70s or 80s. And um, so it's it's not... 3E definitely, with the splat books and everything else, definitely brought mm-hmm. that era. But they didn't invent it. Um, they, um, like, pre-planning out how you're going to do the entire thing has been around for a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like I said, I don't see anything so much that there's wrong with it. It's just not how I prefer to play because I I feel like it it takes away mystery. It 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 removes the discoverability of of what could be mm-hmm. like um, in a, in a way you almost would in a in a perfect world everyone would know the rules, but you wouldn't know what might be possible for your mm-hmm. character later on, right? So that whenever you level up, you get that shock of oh, I could do this or that. That's amazing mm-hmm. and. Yeah, really build, be into yeah builds way. builds give the appearance of agency because you have a lot of options you can take however you're limited to the options you've picked so the freedom exists only outside the game and as soon as the dice hit the table it's uh, it's rote so yeah and it's um and it can limit people too right like if you've pre-planned out everything mm-hmm. you can be at a point where i can't go this way because i want to do this later on and mm-hmm. so you 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 stunt what you're doing now for what might be the potential in the future that you may never get to, your character could die in the next session, rather than just doing what is is op, what is even not necessarily optimal, but what is mm-hmm. fun now, um, versus what mm-hmm. could be the best for you later or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm explaining that well. Yeah, but. it's turning it into it's it's taking it from uh, an organic experience into a math problem, and yeah. so, and i've optimized my character to use a chain weapon and trip attacks so i cannot then expand into because if we if we want to take the campaign into a pirate zone where we're taking ships onto the high seas i can't i have to roll up a new character i have to make a new plan uh, because my previous choices don't mesh with where we're going so yeah yeah exactly um and so so yeah for me it's it's maintaining that fun as well as if you're if you're the dm and you're running the world and somebody comes in um with a massive pre-assumption of how how everything's going to go it almost feels like they're not interested in the world the way that you're going to present it to them like they've already Mm. decided what the fantasy world is in their head of how Mm. things are going to go and it's just going to be i'm going to drop this player in and play in that world regardless of how the world actually reacts to it or anything else yeah, I um, think I actually had that ex- I had that exact same argument with someone on uh, on the internet the other day, um, forgetting which platform. But the the principle of it was, where you have an organic character development, uh, which is to say, your class and stats and level they define sort of what you do, but they don't define who you are, and you grow uh, as the campaign progresses, as opposed to the build where you've planned it out in advance. There's a shift of focus. In the previous example, you have the game. 
you have your character, you have the adventure. And then in the latter example, you have the character, you have the adventure, but also you have an external metagame where you're crunching numbers, where you're figuring out how to put pieces together and you're identifying which pieces work. Uh, and while that can be that can be fun, uh, I had a lot of fun with it uh, when I had more spare time than when I had a young family and a full-time job. But the key there is it's now two games. Uh, you have the actual adventure and you have the character and uh, collaborative mechanical aspect. And so that's one that's one of the big reasons that I've been playing BX almost exclusively lately is because when you don't have that extra layer, then you're focused on the game. The players in their off time will talk about, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the people I play with, is we'll have, we, is we'll have conversations outside of the game about what are we going to do. So how are we going to take on this uh, lich that we just found out? What are we going to do with this item that we just found? How are we going to figure out safely uh, what it does? And so you have conversations outside of game about what happens inside of game, and the focus is on the adventure in... yeah from i i agree with that so much to the point where um with old school essentials the new zine that they that they put a carcass crawler mm -hmm. um, i'm a huge fan of it they put out one with the with their last kickstarter the inaugural mm -hmm. one and then the first edition of it just came out and uh there was a mage class in there that i raved about uh, probably several times and to different people uh, and on, on my podcast as well of how much i like that mage class and then in the first edition uh, like the first one that the public could get to, um, they put in, they, I think I believe it's called the Acolyte. It's a cleric replacement class. Mm. And both of, both, of, both of these classes are, um, everything that you are ever going to have as a class feature is up front. So there's no mm. more spell books or prayers that you will get um, later on. So there's no more choice in terms of your character. You will just get a bit better at the stuff that you have, but you're not going to get any more character abilities everything else you will get will be stuff that you find in the world and mm. i was like i was like something about that was just so appealing to me of the idea that um you know it's not somebody doesn't have to go in and pre-plan anything they don't have to go you know they level up and it's not like oh i need to go f look at see what new spells are there's no slowing of that down everything is just continues mm. and there's less looking at your character sheet because uh you know it's, it's more being engaged in the world, just what does my character do in this moment? Mm. But. Yep, absolutely, and and so that's that's one of the key differences. And so is in game and out of game. You talk about game versus in game. You talk about game, and then out of game you talk about meta. So there's that that split, that deviation, that change, and so. Yeah. And again, there are people who enjoy the uh, the meta game. Now, I say metagame. That's not uh, that's not the term I want. <laughs> but there are people who enjoy the collaborative mechanical comparison. Uh, but it's uh, for for me, it's it doesn't fit. And so, uh, at the end of the day, we ask: Is or is not building your character uh, OSR? And I submit uh, it it, can, it really cannot be. So. Um. I will say, I, I will be the differing uh, voice, since there's two of us and you've already taken one position. <laughs> uh, I will say because uh, I feel the OSR as a term is incredibly flexible and encompasses so many games that um, it has to also include the games that I may not 
personally prefer in that way. I will say it is not the style of OSR that I would mm. probably prefer, but it definitely has a place. Mm. Um, if you count, if you count the fact that one E, if, if you consider first edition and second edition OSR games as well, mm. uh, which you know is I guess debatable whether you do or not, but I do. I do um, too. So. Then uh, you know there there is a slew of options that somebody can go through on a character build in in first edition as well. Um, not necessarily to the degree that you would on say third edition with all the splat books, but there's still uh, some of that there. So, um, yeah, it's there. It's just it's. I don't think it's the the spirit that the modern OSR typically would go for. I, if if you're going for the hey, let's have the simple bare bones, be in the moment. You know, I prefer more of like a grim darky game, but mm-hmm. whatever it happens to be, if you if you if you want to be in that mode. I think the meta experience, like you said, kind of takes out of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, on an unrelated side, I just noticed I like your little red cap there in the back. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure uh, what that's sitting on, but uh, that that's is, a rowing machine. That is a rowing machine. Um, Beautiful. It's, uh, it is a um, a little phone holder. Um, mm-hmm. So I can just slip the phone on there and uh, try to distract myself with anything other than what I'm doing when I'm sitting on that machine. <laughs> yep. Yep. It does. It does give the appearance from this angle of a little red cap sitting on top of your rowing, uh, apparatus there. So thank you, Ray Otis for the uh, rowing machine. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, if anybody wishes to sponsor my rowing machine with more red caps, feel free, <laughs> feel free to drop me an email. <laughs> so I jumped us off, uh, off of a shark there, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> no worries. Uh, so, how well, we're talking a little bit. I remember you saw the uh, you brought out the fantasy trip there. Classless, mm-hmm. uh, I think fantasy trip. Does that have two classes, the magic user or the uh, the, the warrior yeah, type? Yeah, it's essentially melee or magic user. Okay. Um, and uh, they each have a long laundry list of abilities that you can give to each one based off of their level and their ability scores um but outside of that there's really no no class per se you can take your warrior and make him completely arranged like a ranger style fighter or you could make him the knight in shining armor uh like however you wish there's a Mm -hmm. wide berth with both and same with the magic users yeah would you consider so would you consider uh would you consider the classless uh, approach a build experience or can that be uh, can that be organic? I think it can be organic. <clears throat> it's for me the the whether it becomes organic or not is is based off of if you're pre-planning it. Like it's it's the it's the, what bothers me, I guess, and and I, I don't know how well I art, will articulate this or how it's going to come off. But for me, it's the if you're spending so much time focusing on what the future of your character is going to be. You're not focusing on the now of your character and the now of the world and experiencing that it's mm. I'm fine with there being choices. And whenever you go to level up, taking the time to, to make those choices then mm. um, and, and having those, the, the, the classes build and, and deciding, okay, great. We've all leveled up now or, or, or you know, Bob's leveled up. Bob, what are you, where are you going to go? And he can go, well, mm. right now we're doing this. And so this would help me the most mm. right now. Not, not in five six months we might go do this. So I'm going to take this, and then the next time we level up, I'll have that, and then we'll be like, right. We'll get our synergies run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Yep, yep. Very so. cool. Yeah, yep. Very cool. 
So, and that that brings us to to uh, another subject that's been coming up lately uh, on a handful of podcasts. They're talking about um, min maxing. Have you, in your experience, uh, engaged in or experienced min maxers? Yes, and min maxing. Um, again, it comes down to what the motivation is behind mm-hmm. min-maxing. There's, there's, I, I typically like to, um, when I'm playing a character, I will just give him a weird flaw uh, that I don't really come up with until it happens. Like I was playing in the Audio Dungeon Discord, we, I was playing a game in Stonehell Dungeon, um, and we entered an area and there was all kinds, the, the DM, uh, Jose, was like, you hear fluttering wings. And I was like, oh no, I hope it's not Sturges. And he goes, funny enough, it is Sturgis. <laughs> and then, and I just made my... <laughs> Humorous. <laughs> I know. You. <laughs> exactly. And so I was like, oh, my character is terrified of insects. Like just, that was just how that played out. Um, so, you know, that, that's how I kind of like to, to bring it up. Now, I have no problem with somebody saying, hey, you know what? Um, I'm rolling up the character and the DM's giving me the option to, to switch two stats and I really want to play a fighter, so it makes more sense that I put my my highest stat in the in the strength one. Mm-hmm. Is that min maxing, or is that just being smart about how you build your character? I think that's just being smart about how you build your character. Mm-hmm. But if if you are like, I must win, so in order to win, I am going like, the, this mm-hmm. concept of winning in a role playing game is where I have a problem with min maxing. If you're doing it because your goal is I want to win, or I need to be better than everybody else in my party, or that attitude, the, the selfishness attitude mm-hmm. of it is what ruins min maxing. If mm-hmm. it's just, I made a choice, then you made a choice, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's the attitude that goes with it that determines yeah. whether, whether it's a negative or, or a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can, I can see that. I think that was, that was at least one uh, opinion that has been expressed to date. And uh, so, and to, to, as sort of a definition, as sort of a clarity, the, the min max as a term comes from, uh, investment in your character. You minimize investment that's necessary in order to keep the character going, and then you maximize investment in your character's trick, your character's build, your character's thing. And it becomes a show about the character. You you dive into uh, your your pony, and then you, uh, as the as the min-maxing player, uh, you try to focus the game on that particular aspect. And, and and break it. So, like like you said, I think there's a there's a, a definitive attitude part uh, of that kind of spirit. So, and that's yeah. That. There was, there's a guy I played five e with ages ago. I can't remember the exact details of his character, but he was a, a magic user of some sort, and he had a lot of spells built around manipulating land, like manipulating mm. uh, dirt and and water around him, and that turned into everything that he was doing. In every situation, no matter how devolve of it being any way realistic um, of that situation, there was, oh, well, I have this ability. I want to try to do this. <laughs> to the point where you can see the DM getting frustrated mm-hmm. and saying, like, like no, you, you, that, that doesn't work here. <laughs> do something else. And he couldn't because he had built his whole character towards this idea of doing this. So he had mm-hmm. minimized everything else that the character could possibly do, which, you know, mm-hmm. there's a ton of options to maximize this one mm-hmm. cool idea he had, but then refused to bend off of the idea that that maybe not work in all situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
when uh, when the when you are a hammer, every problem's a nail. And uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, playing playing a min max or every every adversary needs to be tripped with that spike chain. So. <laughs> So well, yeah, every, everybody needs to be needs to have uh, as many key points on their monk in five mm-hmm. E punching uh, with furious whatever it's called every every few minutes and continuing on. <laughs> so. Yeah, yep. I've I've played a little bit of five E. I will I will admit that I when it came out because I own exactly one five E book. I own the player's handbook because uh, we picked up Fandelver and the player's handbook and I ran a bit of Fandelver and that was enough that I said, you know, this probably isn't for me. So I made it. I thought about getting the DMG uh, just to be uh, completionist, but ended up uh, ended up not doing it. So uh, that was when I decided to come home uh, back to where I was. So somewhere between the DMG and uh, 5e uh, PHB. So, And that's not, right. to hate, that's not to hate on people who enjoy that. Uh, no, are, it's as much as OSR people and myself included, I mean, I've done it several times here, may not personally be into that game, but there's mm-hmm. no deny, denying the amount of people it's brought into mm-hmm. the hobby. And, you know, the rising tide raises all mm-hmm. boats. Um, like, thank goodness that, that they, they had the success that they had mm-hmm. with it. It's, it's, it's brought people from all over back to the hobby. Um, and once they're in, then they are mm-hmm. able to explore other areas, and whether it's OSR or completely weird off the wall indie games as well whatever it just brings more people mm-hmm. into the the hobby as a whole yeah and it brings yeah and that that's that's sort of the gateway rpg so it's the uh it's the marijuana of the uh, rpg <laughs> world so you come in you come in on that 5e and then uh sooner uh, sooner than you know it you're uh mainlining a uh, rule cyclopedia so yeah we're we're out in the um we're out in the desert in the van uh, printing off zines and <laughs> to distribute them around. That one's true. So my mine was made up. You can't you can't really mainline RCs. I've tried, but uh, yeah, printing printing uh, zines in a van that's real. So, so. Uh, that's fun. But good times. So and so we have we have a little bit of a dichotomy. We have a difference. So just like planning a character build is not the same as building a character so also is making intelligent choices uh, or having your character make intelligent choices based on what they're presented with and their role that's different than min maxing so yeah uh, i mean it also goes down to that when you start saying intelligent choice, I know we're talking a completely different thing. My brain switched when you said when you when you said that. My brain switched that the old debate of um, do I play my character dumb because he has a low intelligence score, or do, like are you are you playing the character or are you playing yourself playing that character type idea as well? But that's a different discussion. But that's where my brain went. When you said that. Yeah, I have, um, I have officially crapped on uh, critical role. However, I will I will remember uh, the fellow who plays the stupid barbarian, the the intelligence six barbarian, had a beautiful moment where he was negotiating with a uh, street merchant, and uh, the the offer was uh, like ten gold pieces, uh, twenty gold pieces, compromise twenty five. And then their party treasurer had a little heart attack and the DM reminded her, no, no, you're not there. So he paid entirely, he paid more than the merchant was asking. And it was a beautiful scene and I laughed very hard and uh, woke up my son and ruined my workout. But um, anyway, so (laughs) intelligent decisions versus min-maxing. Right. And and I think that you can have intelligence choices without being the quote unquote Mm. min-maxer. 
I, it, it, it really comes down to the reason that you're doing what you're doing. Is it in service of the game or is it in service of, hey, I got to win, so I'm going to do it this way? If I mm-hmm. Can I accept the fact that my character isn't the perfect thing in the world? Um, yes or no. Is it, am I going for this one gotcha trick and that's all this character's going to do? Even even that isn't necessarily bad as well, as long as you're willing to accept that that player may not, that character may mm-hmm. not be able to do the gotcha thing all the time. Mm-hmm. Like maybe, maybe there is a character who's, you know, the only thing they can do is backflips. He's <laughs> Captain Blackflip and that's all he can do, but he does it incredibly well. It's the acrobat um, class. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, that's fine too. It's just, it's, it, uh, whenever you refuse to accept the fact that Sometimes you won't be able to be the center mm-hmm. of attention and come off as the coolest kid on the block because yep, you're playing all this. <laughs> yep, my the 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 insistence on talking about spike chains that I keep slipping in. I'm remembering an experience I had running uh, games for a league. We had one player, uh, not good guy. I would still play with him, but he brought in a character that was optimized for using a trip attack, and so he he leveled some uh, some goblins because uh, low level league but uh then the the i handled it probably poor, more poorly than i would in my experienced uh, uh my experienced age now but at the time uh it was fun to he he he, sh- he was a real shiner uh for that first couple encounters but then when they had uh quadrupedal mounts all of a sudden it didn't work quite as nice so and, <laughs> yeah I, I mean i've I, I try not to be um in the games i run i try very hard to not be the adversarial dm Mm -hmm. but sometimes whenever as a dm you make a mistake and you've allowed something to come in Mm -hmm. and you need to get rid of it you know rust monsters are a good way to get rid of some items Mm -hmm. that you really didn't want their players to have after you see how they abuse them um things like that can happen um so yeah i mean if if you've got somebody who's going to constantly abuse one mechanic Mm -hmm. uh, you bring in what a coincidence (laughs) every module has centaurs now i don't know why yeah. Or simply, hey, the bad guy has heard how you, like the, the big bad has heard how you are destroying everybody and he's not stupid. Mm-hmm. So he's went, oh, this guy always does this. Let's mm-hmm. counter it. <laughs> yeah. And that, that came up as part of uh, part of the other discussion is like, do, do the enemies learn? And if they learn and they change, that's that's the mark of a DM as adversary, which is something we've been talking about. And I say we, it's uh, primarily me and then soliciting people, hey, call in and pretend this is a thing. But uh, I, I digress. One of the things that I've been kind of babbling about and thinking about lately is the adversary versus the adversarial. And like, like, you, like you're saying, the, in real life, uh, if I'm trying to get armadillos out of my backyard, they're going to they're gonna figure out some of my tricks. Uh, if I'm trying to prevent my kids from getting in and playing with the pots and pans, uh, they're going to figure out ways to get over that gate. Uh, so, true story, we do have a gate uh, to keep them out of the kitchen, but likewise, true story, they will go into the bathroom, take their little stairs that lets them brush their teeth, and then they will put that by the gate and climb over. Uh, so, they learn, and they change, and they adapt. And so, that kind of behavior, that's child as adversary, uh, and you apply this to your game, that's referee as adversary, and you need that. When you have when you have a game that's not necessarily a narrative experience, so when the purpose is not to showcase a story, 
So, because uh, if you're if you're building if you're writing a novel together, then you don't necessarily need a system. Dice are fun because you know it changes it changes things up. You can use the oracle to change. And I was talking to uh, James of the uh, Subclass Act podcast the other amazing, day. Amazing, amazing podcast. Yep, absolutely. If you have not listened, people go listen to it. It's great. Yep, yep. It's uh, he in the he goes into great detail on oracles, uh, with so which people use for solo play. So it's it's quite like a kind of like a uh, GM emulator, and that can that can be a lot of fun to drive narrative. So you can tell a story, and it takes it it forces you to think in different directions, and this it changes it it throws that player uh that that player agency into the uh the randomization and now admittedly i did i did uh i didn't publish it but i did author and draft a because uh, we have a bunch of gm emulators i've made a player emulator aha niche that hasn't been filled mm. uh, you roll a you roll two die six on a one through eleven they do something stupid so <laughs> cool. and then on a 12 they don't and then on a 12 somebody doesn't show up so ah uh, so. man i could I must. I gotta get those dice because I get that twelve quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why um, I like roll under systems. So I always roll low. I, I I I actually speaking of fantasy trip, uh, that was one of the things that really drew me to it. I obviously did not play fantasy trip back when it first came out. Mm. I picked this up uh, much much later um, when the new box that came out. Um, but that that's one of the things that kind of drew me to to uh, fantasy trip was the whole idea of roll under. Um, you know, very much like um, the black hack or something like that. That that whole role under your stats for for a lot of things appeals to me very much. Um, mm. Yeah. Also because my dice rolls suck and I'm <laughs> terrible too. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there there is something about rolling under that appeals to me quite a bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't. It it really is um, the adversary versus adversarial. It, the the name of it almost pollutes the conversation a little bit because when you say you're when, when somebody says you're an adversarial dm i would probably immediately get a little defensive about it say well no i'm i'm not trying to screw the players because that's how i interpret that 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 phrase right the, the if you're the adversarial dm you're out to to pull the rug out from underneath them and and you're trying to to ruin their their time um and that's not how i view it um I want to make sure the world, my, my, I, I view my world, my job as, hey, I'm making sure the world is reacting to what you're doing appropriately, um, whether that's good for you or bad for you, whatever, however it may, may be. But my number one job is make sure the world is, is believable mm. and, and reacting properly. And I, the DM is supposed to be an adversary of some sort. Their, their job is to create drama, to create conflict. Mm. So yes, there's going to be that. But I'm cheering for them to... I, I'm interested to see what clever or stupid... You know, <laughs> or if it works, it's not stupid idea that they come up with, right? It, it's only um, stupid if it fails. So, yeah. <laughs> so, it's only... It's kind of like if you... if It's, it's only hubris if you die, so... <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm not adversarial in the sense that I'm I'm hoping... I'm not going into the session going, all right, mm. this is session six, time for a TPK. Um, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not the goal. The goal is um, here's a cool problem. You tell me how you fix it. I don't know how you're going to fix it. Mm. I just I just thought of the cool problem while I was mm. having a shower this morning. Um, <laughs> let's see how you guys figure out how to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's, 
that's one of the big draws for me is uh, throw something at them to see what they do. So, absolutely. So, oh man. And that talking about dumb decisions, um, I will admit if I play a low intelligence character, I don't necessarily withhold. Uh, high intelligence ideas. So I'm not one to produce a lot of high intelligence ideas, so I'm very happy when they uh, randomly come across. <laughs> and uh, But the moral story is my, my thoughts on the subject are um, if there is an intelligent character in the party, then who's to say that my character is the one who came up with the idea? So Yeah, I, I struggle with um, intelligence and wisdom as a stat in terms of how do you role play your character based off of intelligence and, and wisdom? I I think I view those stats more as they're there for the mechanical reasons that they're there and less so for what those words mean in terms of, of a personality of the character. So mm-hmm. I'm fine with intelligence being, you know, how you can, how, how many languages or how many spells or, or that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But I wouldn't say, Hey, you've got a low intelligence. So you sit in the corner and drool. Um, you know, <laughs> like, it's, like, I mean, if you want to play your character that way, that's fine, but I'm totally, mm. I'm totally fine in most cases of the quote unquote meta game of, you know, you're playing your, you as a player are solving the problem and then executing it through your character. Um, as opposed to the character itself being the one solving the problem. I'm totally mm. fine with that. Um, cause I think, um, the opposite is also true. If I roll an 18 intelligence character, I personally am not that smart. So <laughs> like it would be very difficult for me to play a character that is this genius level because I am not. <laughs> so it should be, I would view it the same way the other way as well. Right. Right. Um, so it would make, it would make narrative sense. So in the, in the novel that the refer that the DM writes that he's totally going to write after the campaign's over. So, was that a thing uh, for for your uh, early groups? Because that was that was so a thing when I was when I was younger. So, so before no, mm-hmm. no, uh, I tr- I did that once once mm-hmm. uh, one campaign. I was like, I'm going to do this and and take mm-hmm. notes on. But no, mm-hmm. it, it like like most DMs and whoever try, attempt to try that, it it, it mm-hmm. blew up poorly. But for most of my friend group, no, that wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. I have seen it, but it just wasn't something we did. Yeah. So, and for for the younger uh, audience who may uh, not remember a time before the internet, uh, before you had these streams and YouTubes, and you could get super famous playing D and D that way. The running joke was that one player or the DM was setting a story in motion, and the after the campaign was over, they would translate it into this epic fantasy novel that they would totally sell to Harper. So, but. Yeah, the 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 sixteen um, mm. book series that um, mm. they'll definitely finish before George R. R. Martin finishes his, and mm. that part's <laughs> probably true. So, yeah, yeah, likely. I mean, very likely. I, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure I can get my my epic done that time. Mm. So I could probably rewrite mine. I wrote. Uh, I remember. I, I used to write all the time. Uh, you know, before. Uh, before the dark times, but <laughs> but no, yeah, I used to write all the time. I had, uh, but yeah, I. A full full fantasy novel that I think got eaten up in a dead hard drive. So I could probably oh, put that, that back together. So, but, yeah. 
that's that's a terrible loss to yeah. to have have something like that go in. Yeah, that is, okay. I guess, that is one nice side of our modern times. So is now there's so many places that you could stick that that you never mm-hmm. probably have to worry about that so much again. But... Oh, absolutely. I still have like I I, uh, I went in to upload a file to share on Google Drive, and I noticed it had Google Buzz conversations archived, and I was like, I don't even know what Buzz is. So it'll it'll archive stuff that uh, that may or may not even have existed. So. It's the Wells Fargo <laughs> moment. They signed you up for something you didn't know about. So, <laughs> uh, good call on that one. That's mm. a, that 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 is personally for me and a, a fun one for a different conversation, but not not mm. for here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> different podcast. Different different podcast altogether. Um, but yeah, the it's funny you mentioned Google too, because as soon as you said that, my brain jumped back to Google Plus and, mm. and everything that was happening there. It is. It is sad that 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 form mm. is gone. Um, mm. What is where? Where is your number one source of? Um, if you just want to go and observe conversations or participate, um, I I generally tend to lurk much more than I participate. Mm. But where do you go to to? Um, are you pretty much like a big blog rule, or are you on Twitter more, or are you on Reddit more, or wherever? Where is it that you go for your OSR fix? Yeah. I- I will admit I, I I tried Reddit. I can't I can't do Reddit. It's just something that doesn't jive for me. Um, against my better judgment, I did make a Twitter. Uh, so, and I've been playing with that a lot. I've been uh, I had fun the first day or two because people on Twitter melt down over the dumbest stuff, and so so some you know, it's, it's like uh, oh, the uh, the concern over uh, I I. I I pause a minute because I fear I may I may uh, I may offend my listeners, but <laughs> my 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 three listeners. But so I'm trying to think. So if it's uh, if uh, we'll talk about the combat wheelchair, for example. So the if it is a greater disservice to the disabled community not to have uh, the combat wheelchair options in your game, and people melt down about that, my brain. My, I, I think back and I'm like, you know, I can remember holding my mother's hand uh, when she when she passed away, and I remember I remember the warmth fading into cold, and I I kept holding because I remember I knew that I wasn't get to hold wasn't going to get to hold her hand again uh, in this life, and all of a sudden, RPGs. It doesn't matter what happens in that RPG. It's just you compare it to this real life, this real life event, and all of a sudden it just doesn't matter. <laughs> and so, even, mm-hmm. even in a world where 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 these causes are incredibly important to mm-hmm. you, right? Like even mm-hmm. even even if the person, because I I honestly feel that a lot of a lot of that on Twitter and mm-hmm. other social media networks is more outrage for the mm-hmm. sake of patting yourself on the back to make yes. you think you're a good yep, person. Absolutely. It's outrage for attention. And, and you're right. There, there are things that are important. I've, I will, I will specify I've never turned someone away from my table for politics or for disability or for dumb character ideas. Uh, it's about the game and it's about the experience right. together. And it's about sharing something that you love with people who may love it also. And, and, uh, but I interrupted, uh, Continue. No, I, you, everything you're saying is. I'm I'm nodding along. I completely mm-hmm. agree with you. I think I think the the issue with with all of that is, is you have one side of that debate or discussion or argument or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, um, that seems to think that every single game has mm-hmm. to have these components, mm-hmm. and then you have the other side that says 
I will insert the components that make sense for my mm. world or for my players or for my games as those things rotate through. Mm. Or I think that's dumb because it doesn't fit my world and my players mm. don't want it. So, I, but there there doesn't seem to be. Mm. I, you have one side that thinks that that people are coming to burn all their old books and mm. dictate how every game should be played. And another group that says, well, if you don't include this, you're a terrible person because you, mm. you're insensitive about something else. And it's like, mm. there's no middle ground. Like, right. why is, why is everything such a binary choice? Mm. I, most of the games I'm in, I don't really care if there's a wheelchair mm. in there or not. It doesn't matter mm. if it doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't make sense. Mm. But if a player came to me and said, Hey, this is what I want to do. If it's not going to break anything, I don't care. I'll put it in. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if if it, if it doesn't kill the experience, absolutely. Yeah, like if, if I have that same issue with with a lot of the the, the safety tool discussions and everything mm. else, where it feels like it's 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 all ways to avoid having a conversation. Mm. It, it 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 really feels like, hey, I don't want to have a, have the potential of having a conflict mm. with anybody or have a discussion where it's everybody doesn't agree with me. So I want a tool so that I can don't have like I don't know. It just it feels like. Mm -hmm. it's a very it's a very social yeah it's a very social game it's a very personal experience and i don't i tend not to play with people i don't consider friends and knowing that i feel open with them i feel the ability and if if you if if anybody if anybody's a player in my game i hope that they feel empowered to approach me if i do something that is damaging them or damaging the experience for them Uh, but at the same time if if you told me I needed to include a safety tool, I would I would say a four letter uh, a a four letter one fingered <laughs> uh, response. I I do very poorly. Admittedly, I'm a bit of a child in that regard. I don't like being told what to do. But the import, at the end of the day, it's it's repl- like I, I that's that's a great way to put it. Uh, the way you just said it is it's replacing that relationship with a tool. It's taking a process and putting it in place of a person and so uh my little hand gestures i should have reversed those but that's okay (laughs) no and and it's it um i think i think you have part of the reason why i think you have such a divide on where typically Mm -hmm. not not always but where typically you have people fall Mm -hmm. where whether it be quote unquote grog hard old school folks on, mm-hmm. and on one side of that debate and the new school indie guys fall on another side of that debate is mm-hmm. more that a part of that friction and part of the reason why there's that divide I think is a case of you have one group of people that have been playing the game for a long while they feel they understand how it works they've mm-hmm. seen conflicts come up they've resolved them they've they've experienced various things with the game and they look at it as somebody new coming in and saying mm-hmm everything you've done is wrong. You have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And immediately, regardless of how valid any of those discussions may or may not be, the back mm-hmm. goes up because you've just put somebody on the defensive. Yep. It's an accusatory um, moment. Yeah. And then as soon as that is there, then human nature kicks in and both sides just embed into mm-hmm. their own sides and, and nothing gets resolved. And it mm-hmm. becomes such a, um, not to, not to, overuse that word but it does become a very toxic spot where mm. people aren't listening they're just shouting and nobody hears what anybody's saying um mm. i don't know they're that, talking past each other yeah that's the, that's the downside to to a lot of social media stuff so like mm. i also have twitter um and i have mine very narrowly defined down to mm. like my red caps 
Twitter account is RPG related only. You will not see hardly any other thing ever posted on there from me other than an RPG related item. Mm -hmm. uh, strictly because I find there's no need to have any other discussions with on there. It just yeah. devolves into shouting. Yeah, and and my, mine's getting there. So my uh, my clerics wear ringmail uh, account on Twitter is is getting there. And now it, there are there are occasional like ads that don't necessarily make sense, and there's occasional political stuff, but it's it's kind of really narrowed. There, I gotta give it to their their uh, their AI there. It's it's getting to the point where I'm I'm seeing primarily stuff that I want to see. So yeah, uh, I take liberal use of of uh, the blocking of words and stuff uh, mm. in the in the in the settings like. Currently, uh, we're we're entering into a Canadian election cycle here mm -hmm. um, on on Monday. Actually, <laughs> we, mm -hmm. uh, the polls open up. Um, yeah. So the ballots are uh, made out of maple leaves. So uh, yeah, and we sign with syrup. Um, it's yeah. great. Um, <laughs> but only uh, if it's cold enough. So well, we we have a little freezer. Uh, so you, uh, okay, you, you, you put you you put the drop of maple syrup on, and then you stick it in the little freezer thing, and then you fold it and put it in the mm -hmm. box. Uh, oh, kind of like the Scantron, uh, like the the standardized <laughs> test papers. Except yeah. syrup, perfect. Yeah, yeah you, it you works out well. And, and if you if if you misdo it, then you get to lick the paper clean and stew it again. Oh, that <laughs> you guys just have it figured out. Yeah, we're we're down here with our hanging chads, and you 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 guys just have this together. <laughs> but yeah, so I, like because that had taken place at this time, I go in and just like remove because living in Canada, the algorithm feeds me Canadian related news mm. and topics, and I'm like. I have opinions on that. I just don't care to get involved with them on those forums. No. I I block all those words and uh, yeah. and it, it it helps keep that that social media experience a yep. little bit more yep, more uh, friendly. Yep, it's kind of it's like the uh, it's, it's the Eric Tenkar uh, approach. Those are important conversations to have. We just don't want to have them here because this is for yeah. this forum is for something else. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, we live in an age where everybody seems to have to have an opinion on everything. And I don't think that's, that's, yeah, and, that's and true. <laughs> a lot of folks have a hard time separating different parts of their life. So uh, their, yeah. their, their gaming habits are influenced by their politics, which is influenced by their diet, which is influenced by uh, where they live. And it's all this one big soup of who they are, as opposed to uh, finding common ground and then, you know, pl uh, finding common ground and building, building on it. So, yeah, yeah. There's there are definitely personalities uh, in the OSR sphere that I appreciate for when they're talking about gaming. Um, mm -hmm. I find their their discussions about gaming and what have you to be very very interesting. Mm -hmm. Don't always agree with them, but they're interesting conversations to hear. Mm -hmm. And then they will spill off into other conversations where I'm like, yeah, uh, not mm -hmm. we, we 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 definitely not agree there and maybe not get along too well mm -hmm. over those topics. But it doesn't matter because the reason I I'm paying any attention to you at all is because we have a common interest that mm -hmm. I, that I yep, enjoy. That right? So, so, yep, absolutely. And yeah, I took, uh, you've heard, uh, you've heard of the, the RPG woke list, the red, no. yellow, green. Oh, so the, oh, this is fun. I get to, I get to introduce you to something that took Twitter by storm for a while. So, uh, on the RPG site, that is the forum that's maintained, uh, by, uh, I think his name is John. <laughs> Kazimir Urbanski. The name I was looking for was Kazimir Urbanski. RPG Pundit. Uh, one of their members compiled a list of, R of big RPG companies and arranged them into three categories. Uh, woke, not woke, and then maybe. 
So the 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 not woke the green list uh, were people who were either apolitical or who uh, t stood for uh, traditional values. I think the ways is what he put it. Uh, the yellow list, uh, which was the the maybes, were the companies that uh, put up uh, put up political stuff on their social media where it was appropriate, but then didn't uh, necessarily dump it in their games. Uh, and so, and then the red list were people, were companies that injected politics directly into the, the text of the game. And so the uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast uh, was on that list. Uh, let's see, but as well as I think Evil Hat was on that list, uh, who, who is coming out with Thirsty Sword Lesbians is their next big project they're working on. Um, I would assume Monty Cook and anything that he's touched is on the list. Is on and... the list, absolutely. Yeah, I will. I I have not picked it out. So, I am one of those people who tends to separate art from the artist. Um, I enjoy, uh, uh, but I did I did take a look at the list and people like like you may have assumed based on the nature of our conversation, uh, people on social media have been very up in arms uh, over this list. Uh, so there were a lot of people who were very upset about it. There were a lot of people uh, on the one spectrum or the other who were saying, I want to be on the, the this color list. Uh, how do I get, how do I submit for this list? Um, which is silly. It's a forum. You can just go and post, uh, but I digress. The important part is I, I looked at it once uh, because I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I have other things to do with my time. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, picking my nose. Uh, that's a good, that's a much better use of my time uh, than worrying about the politics of gaming companies. But uh, anyway, I uh, turned, come to find out I have purchased product from at least one company from all three of those lists. So at the I, end of, I bet you I could look at my shelf right now and pick mm, out one and pick from out all three. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yep, and that, that's the name of the game. It's it's about sharing an experience. And now, some some of the some of the products I have no interest in. Uh, so the the very narrative focused games I'm not as big in. Uh, I but that doesn't mean other people aren't. And that doesn't mean that I couldn't enjoy that if I had more time to try it. So, but yeah, so the the key is to separate art from the artist, uh, in my opinion, so that you expose yourself to the greatest variety of source material that you can incorporate into the game to make it fit what your experience uh, is supposed to be. So, but that's just yeah, me. I, so. I think if you if you approach it with the idea of don't yuck somebody else's mm -hmm. yum. Mm -hmm. Right. If somebody else enjoys something, good for them. There's a, there, there's a market for it. They're that market. Mm -hmm. Fill your boots. Just yeah. don't try to say that because your market exists, mm -hmm. it's better, and that another one should disappear. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we live I, in a free I, society. It is absolutely okay to be wrong. Yeah. Like I, it's fine to be wrong. It's fine to just mm -hmm. not like the same things. Like mm -hmm. I don't. I get so. Why does everybody have to be uniform mm -hmm. on it? Like I, I've expressed it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know opinions in this podcast here of you know how i look at character builds and min maxing and we were talking about shadow uh, shadow run mm -hmm. a game that the idea and the world and the the overall story of shadow run mm -hmm. i think it's fantastic the game i don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole i think it's terrible <laughs> um <laughs> but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna uh, rag on somebody else who enjoys that that's that's awesome right. i'm glad that that exists for them to enjoy that it's yeah. just 
everything about that system screams hell no to me, mm-hmm. but the the uh, it's there for somebody else, and I'm, I'm glad that's there. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, ab- absolutely. So, and if I think uh, I've I've said this once or twice uh, before, but if we all liked the same thing, then that thing would become so ge- would have to be so generic that it would lose flavor. So yeah, be, be white bread. Yep, it would. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's it, it and yeah, it's kind of the same thing with with personalities. I mean, you were talking about the RPG pundit. Uh, there's a few other personalities in our in our, mm-hmm. in our community that uh, orbit in that same same mm-hmm. realm as he is. Where again, he's kind of he he falls very much into that orbit of me. Where when mm-hmm. he sticks to talking about gaming. Mm-hmm. I don't always agree with everything he says, but it's interesting to listen to mm-hmm. him. When he spins off into other areas, it it feels like a call for attention to me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my take on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sometimes him and people like Stannis. I sometimes mm-hmm. wonder how how legitimately strong those beliefs are, and how much of it is mm-hmm. I'm going to how do much of his marketing. Con- yeah, yeah. How much of his contrarian just to be attention seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just ignore that because it's not part of why I'm there to see any of their stuff. And I may think it's silly but if that works for them so be it i just i'm i'm there to consume the gaming content that they have or the gaming ideas they may have and see how that goes yep, yep so. absolutely and that's 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 the name of the game so and yeah the game <laughs> <laughs> fun fun so oh fun but so but yeah so i mean we've we've talked about that um I th- I think I think in this conversation we've ended up agreeing more than we disagreed. So I'm not sure how how interesting this was to everybody else. If they were looking for for a battle of differing opinions, I think mm-hmm. this was mostly a. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I know I'm right because I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's the key to uh, that's the key to a good friendship. You get you grab people who agree with you on stuff, and then you you stick to it. So I could tell you all about. <laughs> So uh, we could we could disagree on something. Uh, we could pr- uh, probably disagree on snow. So uh, that's going to really depend. I'm, tell me your opinion on snow because we may actually agree on that. Uh, I enjoy snow. Oh no, we we don't agree yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> now to clarify, I uh, I live in Florida. Uh, the only snow that I ever encounter is on a cone. But I do have, uh, I do, I used to have family in uh, the Appalachian Mountains, uh, about eight, ten hours from where I am now. I uh, used to live a little closer. But what we would do is we would go up there in uh, the Thanksgiving time frame, the uh, uh, early, uh, early part of the year, so where it's still winter, not yet spring. And so we would go up into the high country, and it would snow a handful of inches. We get to, we get to build a snowman. We get to. Uh, bundle up and drink hot chocolate and then we would get to slap those chains on the tires and drive right on back to uh, 80 degrees uh, 80 degrees so and, uh, where where I grew up in Canada uh, winters were terrible where I live now uh, near the Toronto area uh, winters are not bad they it's mm-hmm. very very t- temperate here mm-hmm. um, there are there are several US states that are further north than I am mm-hmm. uh, technically so um, I, I will not complain too much about the winter where I'm at. However, large amounts of snow all winter long is no fun for anybody. It is yeah. definitely something to go and visit. Much like how um, when I have gone to Florida and went, oh, it's beautiful down here, the, the weather and everything, but I also melt. <laughs> so <laughs> it's nice to go back to a place where my face doesn't melt off every time I step outside. Yeah. Um, I don't, don't know how anybody lives. Between the car and the, uh, 
and the entrance to the mall. So. Yeah, uh, living in, living in an area where um, I don't know what what it works out to in freedom degrees, but if it is like you know close to forty degrees Celsius Celsius mm. at any point in time, I don't want to be there. That is too hot. That's, yeah, that's the key. We come. Uh, Florida is wonderful in the spring and autumn, and uh, then in the summer you just leave it to the alligators and the tourists. Uh, because the spring and the autumn, it's between like 75 and 80 freedom eagles, uh, so close to 30 uh, centigrade, and that's that's beautiful. That's perfect beach weather. Uh, well, between probably 27 and 30 is, is happy beach weather for me. Um, I start getting uncomfortable about 32, 33. Uh, yeah. I, I was funny enough. I was having a conversation with my next door neighbor uh, a day and a half ago, and we were talking about how um, different places in the world uh, you wouldn't want to live mm-hmm. due to, due to the risks associated to living there, mm-hmm. and how 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 easy we have it going where we are located. We have no deadly animals. There's no crocodiles mm-hmm. or alligators that are going to snap us up. Yeah, we I had don't one have of those hurt. in my backyard last year, actually. So. That's insane. Yeah, um, my, my my wife you don't have hurricanes on... or earthquakes or <laughs> yeah my first three years here we evacuated uh hurricanes uh matthew uh what was the Ir- irma and then I, I think yeah i forget i think i think we did not evacuate for that third one at that point we were just like screw it we're gonna uh we're gonna buy pasta and a bunsen burner but uh and then 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 that hurricane was like oh you're not leaving and then missed and then hit new york or something but Anyway, the uh, my wife was on the treadmill and heard a popping noise. She thought a branch had fallen, and uh, the she went back, checked on the boys. They were asleep. Got back on the treadmill. Nope. Come to find out, there was a seven-foot alligator in our backyard, and the neighbor had seen it. Called the police. The police called animal control, but the the guy couldn't get out there for a couple days. And there are kids in our neighborhood. There are dogs walking, and so the popping she heard was the police doing away with the alligator. So, so, uh, thirty-eight yeah. special. But yeah. <laughs> I, see, uh, yeah, I would move. <laughs> same as like australia is on my like bucket list of places to live or not live but visit sorry but i would never want to live there because i'm like the entire country is designed to kill you why i don't want to live in a place that's designed to kill me why no yep you, you've seen the uh the huntsman spider videos where yeah. they had they had the explosion of spiders where your ceiling was literally roiling with them and people would just go to sleep because eh, they won't bite me yeah or you know places where people uh like i've got friends that live in, in arizona and stuff and they talk about having to like dump their boots out to make sure that there isn't... there's no scorpions yeah yeah and i'm like no no that's that's just wrong no <laughs> Live. Yeah. i was uh i was walking in the lawn and i felt a pinching slashing sensation i looked down there was nothing there it was just the grass so was, yeah live somewhere where the grass doesn't want to hurt you yeah. I used to, I used to complain when it was cold. I used to be like, "Why do I live someplace where the where the wind hurts my face?" But I'll take that over alligators and hurricanes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of our neighbors had a bobcat in their garage a year or two back. Uh, that was fun. It got caught, and it was uh, it was like a their what are they thirty five pounds uh, of of hate and murder. Uh, it was just in the garage. They they had a hard time getting the. They eventually got it out, but you just you open the garage door and uh, I don't know, dump a load of catnip. I don't know. But <laughs> the, the the worst worst I have to deal with near here is is Canadian geese, mm-hmm. who are their own vicious animal, yeah. but not 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 anywhere to the degree of, yeah. of what you're describing. Yeah, 
it used to, it's funny you say that we have uh, we have Canada geese down here also because uh, the the Wikipedia will tell you that they come as far as Florida for uh, winter months. That is a lie. They stay year round. They are the literal definition of snowbirds because they came down, they liked it, and they stayed. And the only thing that pushes them out is those hurricanes. So uh, your your choice is the hurricane or Canada geese. So yeah, and yeah. those suckers will stop traffic. Oh yeah, you don't want to try to get anywhere near where they may be nesting. Uh, they they, uh, they they get very upset and they get very alert. <laughs> yep, they absolutely do. Oh, spooky! So we have now taken your RPG podcast and made it a nature documentary. So uh, the three listeners, I hope you enjoyed that as well. <laughs> we did indeed. So and we've we've uh, we've hit about all of the little points that I had thought about, uh, and we found a couple new ones, which was fun. Uh, I want to say thank you, uh, Kevin, for coming on. It was a blast. Uh, I had a lot of fun uh, chatting. I think these kind of conversations go really well when you have someone to bounce off of. And so even if uh, we agreed on everything except uh, snow cones and geese, then uh, the uh, I think the listeners will they'll be okay with us. Uh, at the end of the time, we'll jump into some shameless shilling. Uh, I am, uh, of course, Clerics Wear Ringmail. You've uh, you've already found me if you're listening to it. Uh, Kevin is with, uh, he runs a podcast, The Red Caps. I will put a link in the description. Uh, and if there's uh, other, other stuff, uh, Kevin, you'd like to uh, guide us to, uh, any Kickstarters uh, you're, you're back in, uh, any uh, ga- uh, shows you're watching or listening to, I'll give you the floor. Um, all my all the Kickstarters I have going on right now have all fulfilled, so I don't have anything to show in that direction, um, I don't think. But um, I would say explore the entire um, anchor verse of RPG podcast. Mm-hmm. It is wide and deep and full of amazing characters. So mm-hmm. uh, while we are both in that in that same same pool, um, there is undoubtedly tons more that you can listen to and have a great time. So I encourage you to mm-hmm. explore a little bit on anchor uh, and find everybody's great podcasts. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It is a pool, but it is also Olympic sized. And uh, so, but all right. All right. Thank you again, Kevin, for popping on. And uh, I will, uh, I will sign off. Uh, my beer is empty just in time. So, all right. Have a beautiful weekend, everybody. Take care. Music used for the Clerics Wearing Mail podcast is adapted from Pursuing Darkness by artist X Take Rux, released into the public domain and made available on freemusicarchive.org. Sound effects used in the making of this product retrieved from Mixkit.co, used under the Mixkit sound effects free license, or from SoundJ.com and used in accordance with the SoundJ.com terms of use. Segments recorded within a vehicle are recorded using a Bluetooth hands-free device in conjunction with local vehicular safety legislation. The Clerics Wearing Mail podcast is an independently owned and operated product released for educational and informative purposes under the Totally Steal This license, which is kind of like Creative Commons except licensing. Clerics Wearing Mail does not ascribe to nor endorse views or opinions expressed by Collins guests or even the host unless you think they're awesome, and thus does not assume any liability regarding the consumption or distribution of this podcast. By listening to the Clerics Wearing Mail podcast, you agree to the provided term parties with questions regarding these terms, conditions, or releases are encouraged to reach out to Clerics Wearing Mail at the prescribed methods provided on the Clerics Wearing Mail blog. Parties dissatisfied with these terms, conditions, or releases are encouraged to go suck an egg.